Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 324. If you want to be in the right place at the right time, you have to be someplace. And the people who stay home and don't do anything are never going to be in the right place at the right time. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bob Cuneo. Bob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Well, I don't know. Are you driving or am I? <laughs> well, I'll do most of the driving today, but whenever you want, I'll hand you the wheel. How's that for a deal? That sounds perfect. Awesome. Great. Bob Cuneo is the founder and chief engineer of Chassis Dynamics, focusing on suspension design and prototyping development. For over 30 years, the company has designed and built oval track, road race, drag race, snowmobile, and motorcycle race vehicles. Division win highlights include NASCAR, the SCCA, the NHRA, NEMA, and IMSA. Their cars have earned hundreds of wins, broken track records, and accumulated championships. They also design and build bobsleds for the U.S. Olympic teams. That is pretty cool. So, Bob, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment here and share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. You know, all I ever wanted to do from when I was a little kid was to build race cars. <laughs> I, that was uh, that was a life's dream. And uh, I went to Northeastern University, got a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. And uh, my first job was uh, designing machine tools and then powder coating equipment. But I, at the same time, started uh, my own race team and was uh, working on race cars uh, evenings and weekends and uh, realized how much I really did love that. And then I was offered a job by uh, Bob Sharp Racing, which at that time was the Datsun factory team. Oh, yeah. And uh, I got a job as an engineer for them, and it was, to me, an absolute dream job. I mean, like, poor kid from a little town, how how would he ever get a job like that? But I got <laughs> it and uh, was quite successful and decided that um, I wanted to do it all on my own and uh, started this company in 1974 with uh, a total investment of $1,800. Wow, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which was all the money I had in the world. Yeah. And uh, everyone told me at back, you know, back in 74, there weren't a lot of businesses like this. Now mm -hmm. it's not so unusual. Yeah. But in 74, there was no such thing as a company uh, dedicated to designing race cars. And uh, everyone told me I was crazy. My family told me I was crazy. <laughs> Especially the banks told me I was crazy. Yeah. And um, just became determined to make it work, and it did. Well, that's why I love having you on the show, Bob, because that's what Cars yeah is all about. You're an entrepreneur. You knew what you wanted to do. You figured out a way to do it. I'm sure there's been ups and downs, and we'll get to those as we move through this. But I love the fact that you persevered and you went after your passion and your dream, and uh, it's just absolutely fantastic. You know, as we continue on this journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. 
It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life, your business, your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bob, like I said earlier, take the wheel. Well, you know, I there's two of them, that, and, and I'd have to say they're equally important to me. Great. The first one was before I started the business, and, and uh, I just, I wanted to do this. And everybody would tell me, well, the only way you're, you're going to be successful at a job like this. This is even before I opened the business. This is before I got the job as an engineer for the race team. Mm-hmm. People said, well, you know, only people who are in the right place at the right time get jobs like that. <laughs> and um, I remember being at a racetrack and, a, and an old-time, very famous race car driver said to me, you know what, Bob, if you want to be in the right place at the right time, you have to be someplace. And the people who stay home and don't do anything are never going to be in the right place at the right time. <laughs> so he he advised me to just plug away, get into racing, do whatever I could do in racing, and be noticed. And and then it's up to to ability for for someone to recognize that you're serious about what you're doing. And it and it turned out to be fact. I have used that quote hundreds of times to young fellows that that come into my business and say, oh, God, I'd love to do this, but how do you get in the right place at the right time? And um, I just parrot that and uh, and hope that uh, they're they're as successful as I was. Oh, yeah. And then then the, the other one was early in my career when I was first thinking of starting the business, the actual business. I had become friends with a very, very famous race car designer from California, Trevor Harris. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was known as the guy that designed the UOP Shadow, if you can remember that car from uh Oh, Am. yes. That's an yeah. amazing, wicked car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was a brilliant guy. And we became friends, and he kind of mentored me. And when I had the crazy idea of starting this business, uh, I had just gotten married, and my wife and I went to California on vacation, and I spent some time with Trevor. And I said, Trevor, should I do this? Is this nuts? I mean, you've been successful, but should I even think of starting a business? And he said, you know what? You can do this. He said, but... the thing you have to know is that to be in a race car business, you live out on a limb. And because you live out on a limb, you need to always know where the soft spots are to fall. <laughs> and if you never forget that, you're going to make it. And you know what? He was absolutely right. Well, I love both of those quotes in so many ways. And yeah, that UOP shadow car, I've had the pleasure of sitting in one of those incredible i'd love to be able to drive one but i don't know a scary scary fast car and and where you're sitting but i love both those quotes in so many ways because they bring to light some really important facets of being an entrepreneur one is that concept of luck and just being in the right place at the right time but as they say it's always a matter of of preparation colliding with opportunity and if you put yourself out there as you said get involved and you're prepared when that opportunity is there you can pounce on it Luck really has very little to do with it. And the other one is the fact that, uh, yeah, find a soft spot to fall just in case. Always being prepared, that Boy Scout motto. Great quotes. I love both of those. 
You talk about liking cars going all the way back to your childhood, but could you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? That pivotal moment when you remember, you recall, you know what? I'm a car guy. Well, it started very early, and it it's an unusual story. When, when I was really young, I had uh, serious problems with my legs, and I couldn't uh, walk until I was in the fourth grade. Oh, wow. I needed several surgeries, and I spent time in a wheelchair, and that's hard for a little kid. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So anyway, as I said, I got straightened out, and, and by the time I was in the fourth grade, I could walk, but I, I was told I would never be able to play sports or, or, or do any of the things that other kids did. And my father was a, an auto mechanic, and so he realized that I needed something to keep me occupied, so he actually started teaching me to work on cars at that young age. And I started building model cars, and I was doing brake jobs and tune-ups. I was doing tune-ups and brake jobs for the neighbors for money when I was uh, 12 years old. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and uh, so he is the one that brought me into something that would it was intended to keep me out of trouble and keep me busy mm-hmm. and occupied. But as I did it, I learned that I loved it, and uh, our uh, activity that my father and I would do every Saturday in the summer, he'd say, well, son, are we going to Savin Rock Speedway, Danbury Speedway, or Plainville Speedway? (laughs) And I'd select which track I wanted to go to, and he'd take me to the stock car races. And and I knew right then and there, I mean, I'm telling you, at that age, all I wanted to do was build race cars. <laughs> well, how fortunate. You know, you mentioned in the beginning of our talk here, knowing what you wanted to do since you were a little kid, and you're so fortunate to have a father that identified something that he could get you busy with and get your hands on, and little did he know where that would lead. A great story. I love that. I'd love to take a look at some of the roads you traveled down and get under the hood, get our hands a little dirty here, something you're certainly not afraid of doing and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career, something that really pushed you up against the wall. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? What did you learn from it? Well, I was lucky because right from the start of my professional career, I was successful. I I, I don't know why, but I was. And so I didn't really have any failures early on. And um, I progressed and became well-known and got contracts to do some pretty major projects, and they were all successful. So that led me up into the 90s, and at at that time I was, you know, I had many championships under my belt in different kinds of racing, and I was involved in uh, what was then Winston Cup racing. And... uh, Jeff Bodine, who was a longtime client of mine, got this crazy idea to that the U.S. team was not very successful in Popsa. They were they were probably top twenty at best back then, mm-hmm. and this was in the early '90s. And he just wanted to do something to give back. He 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 led a dream life in his career, and he decided he was going to do something to to give back to the country. 
And he called me up and, and said, would you be interested in getting involved in that? And I said, sure. You know, and like a dope, I just assumed that I could be successful at anything I did. And uh, and I had never seen a bobsled in my life, period. Mm-hmm. So now, because if you remember back in the 90s, um, Prior to the 90s, the Olympics were every four years, both summer and winter. Mm-hmm. And in the in the early 90s is when they split summer and winter. So there was an Olympics every two years, but it, one would be summer, and then two years later would be uh, yes. winter. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, yeah, unluckily, this all happened when I had a two-year cycle to work with instead of a four-year cycle. Uh. So basically, I had to learn everything there was to learn about bobsleds and build a bobsled and try to be successful in two years, not knowing a damn thing about the sport. Uh. So I got into it, and I I never worked so hard on anything in my life, and I never I never was challenged so much with anything in my life. Bobsled seems like an awfully simple thing, and it is the hardest vehicle I ever had to Wow. <laughs> Very interesting. And, yeah. And so anyway, I managed to get my first design built, and in in the first, first go-around, we only did two-man. We didn't do two-man and four-man. That was just too much to attack. And we built a two-man, and... Uh, it was competitive. It was at least as good and probably a little better than anything they ever had. And they were doing okay, but okay wasn't good enough for me. And we went to the Olympics in Lillehammer, and uh, I think we finished uh, like 13th. Mm-hmm. And um, God, that was 13th to me was like the end of the world. I wanted to shoot myself. Mm. And I remember there were a lot of uh, articles written with great hope that, you know, race car people de- designing a bobsled and the U.S. finally has a an American sled because they always had hand-me-down European sleds. Oh, I see. And, um, and I saw some of the headlines uh, the day after the race and, you know, we called it the Bodine Project. It was uh, It was a hyphenated... The bow was from his name, Bodine, and the dyne was from Chassis Dynamics. Ah, okay. Okay, and uh, so I remember the headline saying, Bodine Project Fails. Uh, yeah. U.S. sled a dud. Yeah. And, and I, I broke my heart. I yeah. mean, I was devastated, absolutely devastated. So every, no sponsors, you know, at that time there was so much hope, but when that happened, there was not a dime to be had for the project. Yeah. Jeff was at a point in his life where he had bought his own race team and invested every penny he had in that, so he could no longer afford to fund the thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and everybody said to me, well, geez, sorry, it didn't work. What are you going to do now? And I... I got to believe I was depressed for several months about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally one day I just woke up and I said, you know what, this isn't going to beat me. And I set out to do it, and I didn't care if there was money or not. I just, I continued, my soft spot was the race cars. Mm-hmm. So I landed on 
on my soft spot and continued <laughs> the business and, and stayed afloat, but I spent every waking hour thinking about bobsleds and and by that was uh this all happened in the 94 olympics okay mm-hmm. by 95 we were starting to finish in the top five by 96 we were winning medals awesome in, in world <laughs> cup races and from then on we just got better and better and better and better and we won golds and silvers and bronzes and several olympics i mean in the vancouver we crushed the competition um by a margin that nobody had ever seen the point of the matter is don't give up it's Mm -hmm. just like racing you know you talk to a race car driver and and they get down a couple laps and and some of them will just give up and some of them will say ah we're we're we'll keep plugging something's going to happen here and and next thing you know, they won the race, and, and the whole thing is just don't give up. Yeah, what a great story. Uh, awesome story, and I love that line, this isn't going to beat me. I'm going to figure out a way to do this. So, wow, what a magnificent story. Fantastic. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments, something that came up in your career that you thought of and Hey, darn it, it worked. This is a great idea. And tell me the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, you know what? That aha moment came before my career. Uh, And I I classify it as the biggest aha moment of my life. I told you I used to go to the races with my father, and I used to work on races uh, on streetcars with my father. So now... You know, I'm in my I'm a teenager, and I got a hot rod, and and at that time my father became ill, and it got to the point where he couldn't do much of anything. And his entertainment, with the roles were reversed. His entertainment was to come down in the basement and sit in a chair and watch me work. Mm. And he would advise me because he had tremendous knowledge. So I, I rem- remember one evening that we're rebuilding a transmission in the basement and it was in the winter time and i was uh, i'm gonna say i was probably a junior in high school and you know the topic kept coming up my parents wanted me to go to college and no one from my family had ever been to college mm-hmm. it was a blue collar family and i always had pretty good grades in school so my mother and my father just kept preaching you know, son, you really should go to college. And I would say, I don't want to go to college. All I want to do is build race cars. So this went on and on Mm -hmm. for several years. So we're down in the basement rebuilding a transmission, and my father says to me, son, are you going to go to college or not? And I said, Dad, I told you a hundred times, all I want to do is build race cars. And he looked at me in the eye, and he said, can you imagine what a great race car you could build if you were an engineer? Mm. <laughs> that, it's like a cartoon. Yeah. A light bulb went off. That one statement made my career. Wow. What a heartwarming story. Awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Again, the father's wisdom 
handed down to the son and he found those right words that uh, led you on that path to success and greatness. Fantastic. How about proudest career moments? Is I would assume you've had many. I mean, you and your company have garnered so many awards throughout time. It's just incredible. But is there one in particular that really stands out for you and maybe means the most? Oh, absolutely. Without question. You know, we've won won the Daytona 24-hour several times. We've won IMSA National Championships, NASCAR National Championships, and every one of those moments was special. It's like, God, you know, I'm involved in a in a project here that was best in the country, best in the country. Yeah. And that, that repeated itself several times. When we won the gold in the four-man, see, there's two-man and bobsled and four-man bobsled. Oh, yeah. And in Europe, it's wonderful if you win medals in the in the two man, but the plum, the thing that the Europeans go after for generations, is a gold medal in the four man. Mm. And when we not only won the gold in the four man in Vancouver, but crushed everybody, that was it, man. We were the best in the world, <laughs> and. No way to describe it. Yeah. Absolutely no way to describe it. Fantastic. Love it. Love it. Hey, let's have a little bit of fun here. Tell me about your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle. <laughs> well, it was special because it's all I had. <laughs> it isn't it wasn't too glorious of a vehicle, but my my first car was a nineteen fifty three Ford Victoria hardtop. I bought it for $110. It had a flathead. And, uh, you know, not having much money, I, I, it was a stretch just to buy it and put gas in it and uh, and have insurance on it. But I kept working on it, and usually the things I did didn't cost very much. They were just, you know, I painted it with black primer and took the, all the emblems off of it, and I lowered it, and, you know, it was a pretty cool-looking yeah, car for for a sixteen year old. Sure, but you know, then the, the the other kids are all racing. You know, when you'd go to a hot dog stand, and and um, by that time, some of the some of the people had you know Chevy V8s and stuff like that, and there was no way I was going to race against them. But there were still some flatheads around, mm-hmm. so flathead guys tended to race flathead guys. So uh, my arch rival had a 51 Ford convertible, but he had three deuces and Edelbrock heads and and all the go-fasters on his. <laughs> and uh, so generally he would beat me, and that was, God, that was frustrating me. And I couldn't really afford fancy speed equipment. So I got thinking, a guy, I ran across a guy in town who had a, an Edmonds manifold with three carbs for a flathead, and it was kind of rough, and I asked him what he wanted for it, and he said, well, I'll sell it to you, I know you, I'll sell it for $50. Now, $50, to me, in 19, this was in 1962 or three. Yeah, a lot of dough. Well, that was a lot of dough to me. Sure. So I said, well, I don't have that right now, but will you hold it for a few months and let me try to come up with the money? 
He said, I'll hold it for as long as you want. I don't need it for anything. So now I'm thinking, well, you know, God, I, I already, I'm working on the side. I, I'm doing everything I can do just to afford life. <laughs> How am I going to afford the extra $50? Now, every kid in the early 60s, every teenager, smoked. And I sat down one day and I said, you know what? I buy a pack of cigarettes every day. If I don't buy a pack of cigarettes, that's back then, I don't know what, maybe it was 50 cents a pack or something. I don't remember. But I figured out that in 365 days, I would have $50. (laughs) There you go. So I quit smoking. Good for you. (laughs) Before the end of the year, I got the manifold. I rebuilt the carburetors. I put them on the car. I did a super tune-up. And I kicked his ass. (laughs) The moral of the story, kids, is don't smoke. You can do a lot. You can do a lot cooler stuff if you divert that capital into something a lot more fun. (laughs) And and the best part of the story is that's probably why, as an old codger of sixty-eight years old, I'm I'm still working. (laughs) There you go. Absolutely. Well, I'm so happy that you did stop smoking and and focused on having some fun with your vehicle. Great story. Is there a car that you've let go over your years that you really wish you had back in the garage? Oh, God. I don't even want to think <laughs> about this one. Right after I graduated college and I first started working as an engineer at um, uh, Bullard Machine, I was working on a race car that was housed at a local gas station, uh, Shell Station in Fairfield, Connecticut. So I'd go down there after work and work on the race car. So that gas station was near the Merritt Parkway, which was a highway in Connecticut. And the guy had a, a contract to tow cars off the parkway. The state police would allot a certain days and certain hours to certain stations to, to do all the towing. So he needed someone to drive the wrecker on weekends because he didn't want to do it. So I said, well, I'm up for making some extra money. I'll, um, I'll tow cars on the weekend. So one rainy, nasty, nasty night, I go out to the Merritt Parkway because some guy called and he said his motor blew up on his car. So I go out, and it was a Porsche Speedster. Mm. And so I tow it in, and it did have a blown motor. The, The rod is hanging right out the side. And I tow it into the gas station, and, um... I tell the guy it's a $40 tow charge. And he said, look, I hate this freaking car. I want to get rid of it. I'll give you the car. I got the title. I'll give you the car for the $40. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I said, sure. Yeah, I'll take that deal. (laughs) It wasn't my $40 because I'm working for the guy. Of course. So the next morning I go in and I say, um, you know, I towed this car in, and the reason there's not $40 in the cash register is that the guy turned over the title to me. So I said, it's your choice what you want to do. It's If you want the car, you can have the car. It's your tow truck. If you don't want the car, I'll give you the $40 for the tow bill, and I'll take the car. And he said, what do I want that thing for? So I gave him $40. Oh, so man. I now was a proud owner of a Porsche Speedster. Yeah, for, for forty dollars. Wow. <laughs> so now I tow it to my mother's house. I had no place to put it, no garage. I put it out in the backyard. 
with these great ideas of fixing it up and having a sports car. But at the time, I was just in the middle of so much. I mean, I'm, I'm up to my ears in debt from college loans. I'm working three jobs. I'm working on a race car part-time, and the car sat there. And I realized that just sitting out in my mother's backyard, it was going to rot away. And it wasn't particularly clean to begin with. And there were some leaks in the convertible top, and, you know, I said, this thing is just going to get ruined. So I let people know that I'd sell it if somebody came along. So a guy came along, and he gave me $250 for it, (laughs) as is. Yeah. So I'm, now I'm happy. I made over 200 bucks on it, and, yeah. and, and, and somebody was going to get the use of it. And that car today is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's kind of like one of those barn find stories. So yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Is there a project that you guys are working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, the big one right now is... Um, the Tucker Torpedo, and I, I know that um, in one of your previous shows, you 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 spoke with Rob Ida. Oh yeah. And um, Rob Rob and I have become really good friends, and over the last maybe four years, we've done several joint ventures where you know he'll he'll take in a project, and then I do the chassis and suspension, and then he does the rest of the project, and, and there's nobody better than him. And he has a lot of confidence in what I do. So he came to me and he said, I have this incredible project. It's uh, the Tucker family has wanted to build the Tucker that never got built for years. And we now have the opportunity to do it. Cool. And, uh, you know, the, the Tucker 48, there were 50 of them and they're all accounted for. But this isn't one of them. This is... This was Preston Tucker's real dream car. Mm-hmm. And and if you saw the movie, there's a scene in the movie where he starts punching the wall with his fists saying, this isn't the car I want to build. This is not my car. This is the car that they want me to build. And he never got the opportunity to build the real car that he wanted to build. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem was at the time, he was such a visionary that... Um, the technology really wouldn't support some of his ideas. So it was not crazy that he wasn't able to build the car then. But now, with technology having advanced, uh, we can, you know, build just about anything. So cool, um, yeah. So so Rob is building the body, and Preston Tucker's great-grandson, Sean, is doing a lot of the interior design and periphery equipment and i'm doing the chassis and drivetrain and we're having a ball working together it's just a terrific team of people well very cool you know this is such a cool story and sean tucker has been a guest here on cars yeah as well so now i've completed the team here as part of the cars yeah team of uh, guests on the show to have all three of, of you guys on the show and uh I can't wait till that thing is done and rolls out uh, is on four tires. Fantastic. I love it. It's a, it's a heck of a challenge because <laughs> we have to, and luckily, you know, Sean and his, and his family have saved every scrap of paper from Preston. But, you know, we're not talking about full blueprints. We're talking about 
sketches on napkins and 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 letters and and ideas and we have to try to think like he was thinking so we're connecting the dots this isn't a clear cut object that we're building this is this is an uh, an extension of a man's passion and that's what makes the project so special it's absolutely spectacular now here's a very introspective question for you bob if you were a car what kind of car would you be and why? I have no idea. <laughs> I, know, I kind of think of Tow Mater. Oh, yeah? Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, that's an interesting answer. <laughs> I, I, honest, I have no answer. No answer whatsoever. Okay, well, I'm I, not, not going to let you get away with this because I've had 323 people on the show before you that all answered this question except for one but I can't have two. So let's think about this a little bit. You're a guy that designs and builds chassis, race cars. Uh, there's got to be something that rings true in your mind that if Bob was on four tires rolling around, what would he look like? What would he feel like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my I have an answer, and it's, it's probably going to take you by surprise. Good. I have always looked at myself as a workhorse. I'm I have never been much for publicity. I have never, you know, I've made a living doing this, and I, I live in a decent house, and I've been able to educate my kids. But money was never part of my goal. I just wanted enough to make a good living. And so I look at myself as a workhorse, not a, not a sports car or, a, um, or anything fancy. Mm-hmm. And... I, I think back of like the Model A Ford, and 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 this is this is where it gets weird. <laughs> the Model A was mass produced, so anybody could afford it, and it was a workhorse. But people made them into trucks. They made them into tractors. They made them into uh, to propel um, sawmills. Yeah. These Model A's had to reinvent themselves to do whatever needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my career, you know, every couple of years I reinvented myself into another kind of racing. There were a lot of guys who were spectacularly successful in one form of drag racing or or, or in NASCAR Winston Cup or in... Uh, road racing mm-hmm. but I found that by reinventing myself every couple of years there was a cross-pollination of thought from one form of racing to the other and, and that cross-pollination always advanced the sport and and allowed me to become even more successful with the product because I was using ideas that I learned from my last projects so I just kept plugging, but I had to keep reinventing myself for whatever the task was at hand. So I'm, I'm the old Model A. That's what I am. See? Perfect. What an awesome, awesome answer. I love it. So Bob, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. 
Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Bob, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're used to being around the racetrack. You know what this means. The white flag is out. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions. And you give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Process of elimination. When you have a problem and you're trying to solve the problem, don't don't attack it in 15 different directions at once. Eliminate one thing at a time and you'll you'll get to the solution absolutely i wish i'd known that back when i was learning how to work on cars would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success always doing what i say i'm going to do Hmm. even if it costs me money if 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 i tell a guy i'm going to produce something by a certain date or, or or for a certain amount of money and it and I screw up a little bit on my estimate, I will figure out a way to make it happen. Yep. It goes back to that bobsled story as well, just figuring out a way to make it work. So, Bob, is there a book that you've read that you believe our listeners would really enjoy? Yeah. uh, There's a book that really inspired me. Um, I believe the name of it was uh, Shop Class for uh, Soul Craft. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah, Matthew Crawford, I think, was yep. the author's yeah, name. Yeah, shop class is soul craft. And, well, he was a brilliant guy. He had several PhDs in different things, and he he realized that the thing that satisfied him most was working on things and making old things work and and solving everyday problems with mechanical things. And he ended up giving up uh, all of his titled work to open a motorcycle repair shop and, and specialize in antique motorcycles, getting them to run. It's so magnificently written and inspiring that I, I think it's something that that car people would really love. You know, they will. And I remember that book now on, on the cover is an old motorcycle sitting next to a barn, if I recall. And I remember picking yeah. that book up. It was a yep. book that was recommended to me, gosh, five, six years ago or so. Uh, by a, another car guy. So great book. And I'll remind our listeners that we have a great resource at com. guest recommended books. You can click on that and see uh, over 300 guest book recommendations, including the one Bob just recommended. Or you can just type Bob into the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up and you'll find a listing and a place that you can link to that book and purchase it and read it. Great book, great recommendation. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Bob, and this last question can be a real doozy. 
If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you want, but you're going to have to keep it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little trick is off the table. What would that vehicle be and why? Um, probably a 1956 Ford Victoria uh, hardtop. Wow, I just, okay. I just loved those cars. I just thought the style was beautiful. It was it was a car that, you know, when, at, at my age, at that time, it was my dream car. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess everybody would like to somehow own the car that was their dream car. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. Oh, so true. Great choice, fun choice. Probably the first time anybody's chosen that car here on Cars, yeah? So unique as well, just like you. Bob, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed our stories. I'm uh, happy that Rob Ida recommended that I reach out to you so we could talk today. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 56 Ford Victoria hardtop? (laughs) Don't give up. Don't give up. Great words of advice from a guy who didn't give up, kept persevering. Classic entrepreneur. I love it. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? You know what? I Like I said before, I, I, I don't even have a website. I, I, I hide. I literally, <laughs> I tell all my friends I hate everybody, so I don't even answer the phone. <laughs> and, and I've always felt that, you know, I, that just takes away from from working on whatever I'm working on. So uh, I'm I'm probably a little bit of an enigma. Nobody's nobody's going to know anything about me. Is there a way for our listeners to follow maybe you in a sense through Rob Ida's uh Facebook page and watch the build out of this Tucker Torpedo? Yeah, and also, you know, we're we're sponsored. I was sponsored on uh, the last Olympic run by uh, SolidWorks, the software company. Okay. And uh, that was such a successful thing that now they're sponsoring us for the the Tucker. And there is a blog through uh, SolidWorks. Um, In fact, the guy's name that has the blog is Mike Sobolchek. Okay. And and that blog um, follows the Tucker project every month. Okay, cool. What we're doing. Awesome, great. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Bob shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Bob Cuneo, and his last name is spelled C-U-N-E-O, or just put Bob in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. Hey, Bob, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your life and experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed today. It was all my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.